We are back for another episode of Unboxing the Hobby, brought to you by Loop. And with us today, super excited, we've got Kayla Collects. Kayla, how's it going? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good. I'm glad we, we could uh, twist your arm to be on here and hang out with us. <laughs> we did it. Yeah, <laughs> don't know, so Met Kayla at, we connected on Instagram, but got to finally meet you at Chantilly this year which was super cool to get a chance to hang out with you and Jay and some other people for a little bit. Um, but no, super excited to have you on here as we're kind of, you know, trying to rope in more people to the podcast. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. I'm excited. Well, yeah, we really appreciate it. Yeah. So really, like I said, this is focused on in you and your story. And I think it'd be great to just kind of take a step back and tell us like, how did you get into cards? Like what's we always have, I feel like people always have these really interesting stories of like their earliest memories of being in the hobby. would love to kind of start there. Yeah. Um, so I've been collecting 10 years already. So I started collecting in 2013 at like age nine or 10. Um, and I grew up in Clearwater, Florida. And at my grandpa's house, he always had some sort of sports game on the TV, whether that be baseball, hockey, football, you name it, he, it was always on his TV and I was always over at his house. Um, and so I grew up a Tampa Bay Rays fan and I used to go to a lot of their games because we lived only like 40 minutes from their stadium. And I used to get autographs on baseballs because as a young girl, like the players would throw you baseballs. And I thought it was so cool. I could get them signed. And um, I was getting them signed and I saw people getting autographs on cards. And I was like, I want cards to get autographs on. So I went to Target and bought two packs of 2013 Top Series 1 baseball. And at the time, Manny Machado was my favorite non-raised player. And I pulled his rookie out of one of those two packs. I still have that card. Um, and I was hooked ever since. So that was like my first collecting memory. Um, yeah, that's what got me into it. That's awesome. And what best best autograph you ever got at a raise game? Um, I mean, I got Longoria a handful I was of say, you must have had Evan. Um, yeah. he was kind of harder to get. Uh I mean, like the coolest memories I have are like when I interacted with a player. So at spring training one year, I was probably, I don't know, like 11 or 12 and my hat fell over the, like the barrier and Chris Archer um, was signing my card. And so he took off his hat, put it in his pocket, took my hat, wore it all the way down the line <laughs> and then came back and gave it to me. He's like, well, when it goes out of the stadium, it's free for you guys so when it comes in that means it must be free for me so he oh, ended up getting it back but it was funny it couldn't even fit on his head it was like on his afro that's really amazing uh, so yeah. uh, you know based on that so i know you collect different all different things i've seen you on instagram does baseball what you gravitate back to or is there because of that or is there a, no now a sport that kind of dominates that um, baseball is definitely like where most of my hobby roots are. Um, that's like what I transact the most and that's like what I collect the most. Um, I've also been getting a lot into like women's soccer. Um, yeah. I grew up watching all these players that are now retiring and watching the new wave come in. They actually have cards now because like 10 years ago when I started, like there was maybe one option of maybe five players and now there's a lot more options. So I like collecting those. I don't transact those as much. Like I don't sell those. Those are mostly for my collection though. Yeah. Uh, there's just some uh, Mac, you didn't, you weren't a baseball guy, right? Mac, like growing no, up. No, no, I played, uh, I think I played one year of coach pitch growing up and that was that in T-ball. I think that was the extent of my uh, baseball career. It's really interesting. And I don't know if you can uh, agree with this or disagree with this, Caleb, but there's still some feeling about, cause baseball is my first sport I went to live. And there's still some feeling about like walking into the stadium, like from the tunnel or from the concession area and seeing the grass and seeing it's like and, and it's before the game that has this really nostalgic feeling for me and I don't know if it's the same is that the same thing for you Kayla when you when you walk yeah, in yeah or... I think it just creates like uh an escape from everyday life in a way that sports can do for people um which I think that's why I like it because like if I got to leave school early to go to a sports game I was like the most excited kid and I would like talk about it for the whole week. I'd be like, on Friday, I get to leave early. Like, I can't wait. Um, so I think it like creates like a little kid feeling in everybody. Yeah, for sure. I love it. It's it's great. Um, you touched on something that I'm really into right now as well. I I got into soccer through the hobby. Um, I'm really have gotten into women's soccer even more so. The, the athletes, the cards, and some of the products that have been coming out have been really, really nice, at least in my opinion. Um have you are you happy with the products that are coming out with uh with women's soccer lately or is it is there one that you like more than others how does that work for you 
Um, I'd say they're taking steps in the right direction for sure. Having more products become available and they had like a fully designated Donruss set for the women's world cup this year. Yeah. Um, and they had their own sticker set. I think there's still room to grow there because in the men's sticker set, they had parallels. You could get one of ones, you could get blues. Um, I think there was reds also, and there was no parallels at all in the women's oh, I didn't know sticker that. set. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I think they underestimate the collectability of these women's athletes. Um, and like, there's no prism set for the world cup. Like there is for men's and they've included women's in those before, but I would love to get like a Marta gold prism, like to match a Brazil Jersey. I think that would be sick. And there's no card like that, that exists. Marta barely has any cards at all. And she's a goat. Um, so I think there's definitely, they're make they're taking strides, and I could uh, applaud companies for that. But I think there's also more that can be done. Yeah, it's, I agree. It's funny talking about the 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 collectability of the women's team because I think for the last ten years, a lot of people would argue that the women's team has you know been better than our men's team. And I I I think I would say I was probably a bigger fan of our women's team at least for the past five years because they were ruthless. I mean, they would just beat you eight nothing, and like yeah. the men's team was kind of limping around for a while. So. I don't know if it's uh, quite that way. I feel like our men's team's finally getting the act together, but I'm with you. I feel like there should be, especially with the World Cup coming over the next couple of years, you would just think the collectability of soccer cards is just going to keep going up. Yeah, I would I would totally agree. And I think it's going to bring a lot more U.S. size to the sport in a, in a collectability way because a lot of people now um, like to collect like Messi and Ronaldo, but beyond that, like it trickles down from there. There's not much excitement in the U.S. for it. But I think once people get to like see it and digest it and get to know these players outside of like Polisic, then I think people will get excited about it. Yeah, I like it as well. Who is the big name to collect in the women's game right now? I mean, I know Trinity Rodman, I feel like leading up to the Women's World Cup was kind of a big one I was hearing. I'm less familiar with the new crop on the women's team. Just curious to kind of your thoughts of like the top few names people should be keeping their eyes out for. Um, I mean, Trinity Rodman's definitely one of them. She's like actually playing confident now with the US Women's National Team with her club team, the Washington Spirit. She plays phenomenal. Um, and I think she's kind of starting to slowly bring her flair there to the US Women's National Team. Um, Sophia Smith is definitely a name. People love players that score the goals. Um, so like Naomi Gurma on defense is phenomenal player probably will be like the next Becky Sauer run, but like, that's not as like attractive from a investing standpoint for goal scoring. Um, so I'd say Trinity Robin, Sophia Smith, those are like the two names that most people know. Um, I'd say Mallory Swanson. She's still a great name to have. She's coming back from injury and I'd say like the next crop, Jaden Shaw just made her debut, um, this past couple weeks. Um, with the U.S. Women's National Team, plays for San Diego Wave with Alex Morgan. She's super exciting to watch. She's only 18. Alyssa Thompson's 18. Um, so there's a lot of young players. This next wave is going to be really exciting to watch. It's really funny as you just like spit out names, and it, it's it, and I can tell where this is going to go to is like. So you remind me of this like of this crop new generation of of collectors that just have this plethora of knowledge and the steel trap vault of like information that can just like spew it out. And I don't even know if I, at like at your age, when I was your age, I had that ability. I don't think that I did. So where do you, where is this something that you were just always like innate with, or is this just because of the passion that you have? Like, where does this all come from? I'd say probably both. Yeah. Um, So I've always like most things in my life I've had to work super hard for. So like when I was playing sports, I, like if I wanted to be with everyone else, I had to work a lot harder um, in school. I had to work a lot harder to like keep up and get good grades because um, I just like learn differently. But with sports, it's always been a like natural thing for me. Um, and I've always digested that super well. And I think um, passion also definitely fuels it because like now with college women's basketball, I can talk about that all day <laughs> and have the stats to back it up. Um, and so I get, I definitely get passionate about it. And I think that's also what comes across in my content is that like the genuine appreciation for sports and the stories they tell. Yeah, I agree with that. And so let's talk about that. So we talked about how you got into collecting cards, but what got you into the content, you know, version of this? Yeah. Like where, how did this start? How did you decide, you know what, I'm going to start pushing out content, interviewing people at shows, all this different stuff. Um, so I saw a like lack of female creators in the space. 
um like I've been watching Mojo and Card Collector 2 for probably like five years like so longer than most um because I didn't have any like real life friends I say that like friends outside of social media that collected and so I wanted to feel connected to people and see what they were doing so I used to go on YouTube after school and like watch their videos um and so now I kind of transitioned to creating content um because like there was no females in the space and I wanted people that were like younger Kayla coming in to be able to see these people and be like I can collect too um because I think females can get discouraged from collecting because there's not many people that look like them or create content nor that they can see representation in and so I just was like you know I'm going to create content I don't care if people like it if they gravitate towards it if they comment cool like if they enjoy it cool, but I'm doing it for me um, because I also just love sharing stories and I just kind of saw an opportunity there and I didn't really think anything would come of it. And people are like, well, what's your intention with like the content? And I just like doing it and opportunities have come from it, but it wasn't like what I was initially going, going to like creating content. I, I amen on that one. Cause I, people ask me that question sometimes and I'm sure stock you too. And I think they sometimes people expect us to have like incredibly intentionally like well thought out like <laughs> visions of our content of like how it's like no we we got into this because we like creating content like let's just like we like cards and we're weird like just let yeah. us be that way. Um, to your point, I think opportunities kind of come from it, but at the end of the day, it's like we just like creating content. Yeah, and you talked about representation. I know you you wrote about on your uh, your blog recently. It's like you know you the hardest part for being a female in this space, I think is most of the time it's, it's always like, how does it feel like being a female? And uh, as opposed to like, how does it feel like being a, you know, you're a collector who just happens to be female. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with that, do you feel a certain sense of like, that you have to, that you're, that you're here creating a space for a lot of these women to try and bring them in and, and make them feel comfortable when you post things and whatnot? Do you feel like some, some sense of that? Um, I'd say it's always a thought in the back of my mind. Um, it's not of like a forefront of why I do what I do. It definitely has, um, like that effect sometimes. So at the national, we've had the woman in the hobby booth two years in a row and it's cool. Like occasionally I've had one or two people that are like, oh, I like watching your content. I haven't had anyone be like your content got me into collecting. Um, so hopefully eventually that would happen. Um, but I kind of just do it. And I think that eventually it could lead to like people being more accepted. But like with the article I wrote, I was just like, someone needs to say these things. Yeah, They just need to be said. Um, and I don't think, I think sometimes people like to beat around the bush and not really talk about how people interact with others in the hobby. I think it's definitely gotten a lot better with how dealers interact with female collectors. Um, because in the past it's, if you read the article, you can understand like there's some weird things that I've I've been told and that people have said to others that I know that they said to them. Um, yeah, I don't create content with the intention of like hopefully getting more females in. I just hope that it has that effect. Yeah, it's really it's you know, it's it's crazy. Some of the things you wrote that were said to you is crazy to think like because those don't pop in my head like I grew up we a lot of my friends were female athletes and things like that so it was always like and some of them a lot of them were better at a lot of things than I were so I was just always like all right this is more of a competitive thing than it is like male versus female so it is interesting to see that old version of the hobby that's slowly you know melting away as younger crops and 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 different you know diverse groups come in because it's not only just female we talk about it with other people on the pod where it's it's different ethnicities that come in that aren't have as much representation. And now it's, you know, it's, it should just be everyone, you know, as a collector versus, Oh, you're a collector. Oh, you're a female collector. Oh, uh, you're a Hispanic collector. Oh, it's like all this different stuff. So I really appreciate that you do think about that when you're posting some of your content at the very least. It's great. I curious, Kayla, just if, are there other uh, female content creators that you kind of look up to or inspired to? Um, I know of like Mama Breaks. I'm trying to think of others that I see on my feed as much. I'd say it's probably you and Mama Breaks are probably the two that come across my feed the most, but I'd be curious if there's others that, you know, people should be keeping their eyes out for. Um, 
it's funny you say that because I wish there was more um and I wish there was like a plethora of people that people could like choose from um and I mean that in a way of there's so many male content creators like there's Mojo, Card Collector 2, you, Army ATC like there's a plethora of people to choose from and like everybody creates a slightly different um type of content and have has a slightly different view to what they collect and I think um there's not that variety in female content creators um available right now I think there is me Stephanie Mama Breaks um Hannah which is um she I think it's she collects um she did Oh, yeah, yeah, she does some YouTube stuff. She slowed down um, with her job with PSA, but she has some really, really cool YouTube videos. She's a big F1 um, collector. So that's something I don't really know that much about, but I think people who collect F1 would love her videos. Um, but yeah, I wish there was more and I wish there was more variety. So that's kind of what I try to do is I try to have a variety of content that I put out. So like there's me opening stuff. There's me talking about cards. There's me telling stories about cards. So I try to have that variety that I wish other people brought. I, I have started to wonder if um, I, I follow PSA Poppy, who we've you know, been fortunate enough to have on here. And he's, he's more in the Pokemon space. And I've noticed from a lot of his content just perception wise, it seems like there are far more female collectors in the Pokemon world, maybe than what we're seeing in the soccer world. I don't know if y'all would feel maybe if that's something y'all are seeing as well, but I definitely feel like on the sports side, not seeing the representation. I would agree. Um, I think it's easier for younger girls to get into Pokemon, um, like starting collecting base there. And I think, I mean, I think there's a stat like when girls get into high school or like age 13, like the percentage in sports participation drops like 80% or something like that. Wow. Um, because of like all the different changes they experience and like, um, wanting to be like in like the cool kids club and that kind of thing. Um, so I think with guys, it's a lot easier because they're like, I don't care if I sit at home and I'm weird for collecting cards <laughs> with girls. They're a lot more, um, aware of like how people perceive them. And that affects them more. So I think that kind of has to do with why there's a lack of younger collectors in this space. And I think there's a lot of female collectors from like ages 30 to like 50 that I know of. And that's a lot of like the base of like women in the hobby. Um, and I've seen like one or two here and there younger than me, but I, uh, I definitely wish there was more. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you, Mac. I think that's uh, definitely that and what Kayla's saying, those reasons. Um, so with the hobby right now as a collector, what are uh, what are the, the the positives that you've seen? Obviously, we've seen a huge change in the market over the past few years. But with that change, uh, are you seeing going to the different shows you're going to and meeting different people? What are some of the positives you're seeing coming out of the hobby right now? Yeah, I actually just wrote an article about this yesterday for Hobby News Daily. It's not out yet. Um, but it's funny you asked that question. So, um, card shows, I think are super positive right now. There's still a lot of people going to like the Dallas, the Chantilly's, the Burbanks, like there's real excitement around those shows when they come around. Um, and I think the kinds of atmospheres at those shows are also getting better. There's people buying, selling and trading, which shows that the hobby is in a healthy place. And it creates like the hobby life cycle. People call it. It's so, like people go in to sell to dealers dealers buy those cards, the money that people make from selling those cards goes back into the show floor to other dealers and it cycles around like that. So I think that's in a really healthy place also. Um, I'd say that the people going to shows is also getting better. So like more variety in collectors. Um, and I also think that the like the downward slope of cards right now allows for people to get grail cards for a fraction of the price that they used to be, which is also a healthy thing because people are like, oh, I saved this X amount of money because I waited long enough to get this card. Now I can spend that X amount of money also getting this girl card and this girl card. And I think people are starting to build collections and look at it um, from like a true collecting standpoint. Yeah, I'll admit it. It's definitely softened the blow when I can like open my binder and I have a card I've lost a ton of money on next to the grail card I just got. And I'm like, <laughs> it offsets, you know, offsets. Yeah, definitely. that's the thing. Is I really love that about that. So I think people get really caught up. You know, there are obviously some people that got burned over the last couple of years buying at peaks and all this different stuff. But having the ability to get cards at a lower price 
and you can still make money on selling cards that you know you, you buy them at the right time it's like yes you're not going to be you know thousand xing your cards at any point in time right now you know but you still there's all these opportunities and i agree with you i think me being at the burbank show recently i saw that that life cycle of the hobby happening and it was crazy the amount of trades and selling and buying all happening where it's not just if it was all selling then i'd be a little worried but it's definitely a, a, all that happening at one time which is very nice mm -hmm. yeah, i agree now with the shows I, I we talked to a couple of people about this before is there anything you'd like to see differently at shows like is there some sort of you know uh modernization that you'd like to see anything what would you like to see differently happen at these shows that isn't currently happening um i'd say first and foremost more female signers um the national luckily had angel reese this year and that was the um big draw there and it took some conversations of like honesty from how women in the hobby viewed that and like how the national there was just miscommunication going around so no blame on the national there they fixed their they realized what they had um i guess not included and they were able to work it out um so props to them but i think a lot of these big shows they have really good name signers um but they don't bring in any female signers and there's plenty of former players that you could get from like prices price range from 50 to 90 dollars um were there any at chantilly i'm trying to remember no, I don't believe so. I don't think there um, were either. No, I think about Chantilly it. occasionally has like WWE, um, but no like, uh, I guess main sports. Um, so like, I don't want to discount WWE, um, but like <laughs> none of like the say, yeah. soccer or basketball or softball, that kind of thing. Um, so that's definitely the number one thing I would try to push show promoters to do, even if it's partnering with like a college and bringing in bringing in an nil athlete for like 25 bucks i think you could there's still a lot of untapped potential there and i think that also would help bring different people to the hobby if they're like oh this is one of my favorite female athletes i grew up watching like a jenny finch of the world in softball then they would be like oh she has cards i want to collect those oh there's other cards there's olympic cards there's all these different things that people can collect i think if more female signers are brought in that brings in a different collector's base. Um, and I think also it shows like the card show 2.0 um, is something I talk about. And I think culture collision does a great job of that and kind of bringing together different kinds of people and also putting on a different kind of show that isn't necessarily like the old style, like just coming for cards. Like it it's um friendly to content creators it allows opportunities for them to show their viewers like you should come to this show there's the card star game that they do where they'll be raising money for charity and there's sneakers and there's a 3v3 tournament so i think it allows for people to be excited about more than just the cards because for people to want to come to shows there has to be more than just the cards because the common argument of like going to shows is i can just buy this card on ebay so you want to create an atmosphere of like excitement beyond just the cards. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I, we talked about this before and I feel like it, I'm waiting to see if these new things they're happening with, you know, Fanatics is going to start their live events and, you know, you have Jeff Wilson opening up this huge, you know, showroom slash whatever 24 hour card show in Atlanta. If this will be the beginning of that sort of thing, because I always look at it as like, why can't, some of these larger card shows morph into culture collision and like comic-con and like all this stuff where it is very fun and interactive as opposed to like you said to be honest look if i go to a card show i'll make a few laps around but after that i'm kind of done and i'm just there pretty much to to talk to people in the community at that point and i don't is that the same for you do you get like you're kind of see the cards and then you're like well i guess i'll make content or you know hang out with people that i know yeah, I think um, recently I've been trying to find a healthy balance between the two. And like, I definitely try to prioritize talking to dealers. I know that I only see once or twice a year um, because I want them to know that I value the relationship beyond the card standpoint. And I also transact with those people. Like all the cards I bought at Chantilly were all from people I knew because I went to their booth to say hi. And then I also found cards I liked. Um, 
but for me, I mean, I can see the standpoint of I can just buy this on eBay because you can get cards that you can transact at shows from eBay. So I try to balance like the content standpoint and talking to dealers I know and the cards. Um, it's definitely been tricky because like my base in collecting is like collecting and getting these cards. So yeah, it's something I kind of struggle with. Um, so I don't have like a a surefire answer for you there. Yeah. Are you sick of the hype beast breaker boys? Would you rather talk about sports cards with trusted, respectful sports card stores and dealers from around the U.S.? Well, Loop is the answer. Loop is an online marketplace where you can buy sports cards no matter how you collect. Personal packs and boxes, dollar auctions, group breaks, singles and slab sales, and much more. All of it on one app called Loop. Go try Loop on iPhone, Android, and the web. And the best part is, is you get 10 bucks if you use the stock and trade link to sign up. Find the link in the description of this episode that'll take you directly to the app. So check out Loop. We guarantee you won't be disappointed. Yeah. Hobby is such a small world though. I mean, you're right. It, it is all about the relationships. And I think it is important, especially those shows, to make sure you do take the advantage of, you know, being in the room with people you don't get to interact with. Because I think the hobby can be a really lonely place. You know, think about how many people got into it during COVID. And, you know, I think, Stock, you were talking about this. Like, you went to your first show, what, early this year? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I may have actually been the same. Yeah, I was the same way. So it was <laughs> like, you know, I think for a lot of us, we were just kind of sitting behind our computers for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, and I was really into cards as a, as a kid. You know, it was like I was into cards, comics, toys, all that stuff. But, like, yeah, I was like, I as a, a grown man, I was like, I'll go to my first show. This is fun. And it's great. But it is it is very I'm – I'm 40 years old. And it was very scary for me to walk into my first show and being like, man, this is overwhelming. Like, there's a lot of things going on. There's some people, most of the people I don't know, you know, or I have only talked to them on social media. So there's always that awkward interaction of like, hey, nice to meet you finally. So I also it, think local shows maybe are not the most, um, I don't want to say welcoming, but I, I think they are not necessarily the most conducive to just like the average Joe sports fan is maybe that not that they're so niche. Like, I think if you're not hardcore into cards, <laughs> a local show is going to seem so foreign to you. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. Um, I got into going to shows probably like six, seven years ago. That's actually when I first started going to Chantilly. So I've been going to Chantilly for a long time. Um, like my dad would pick me up from school and we'd go to Chantilly. Um, and I think that's something that's kind of underrated in the hobby is in, in card shows is that like you get to interact with so many people that all have common interests. And I think when people are collecting just online, they can be like, I don't know anybody that collects. But when you go to card shows, you meet like literally everyone in the room collects something. They're there for some sort of reason, whether it's the same reason for you as not uh, or not. And like I've I mean, me and Mac don't collect anything similar, but I still was able to have a conversation with him at Chantilly. And there was plenty of people that you like cards is the vehicle, the conversation. Um, and I think that's something unique that card shows bring. Yeah. Common interest and passion tend to, no matter if it's, if you guys don't collect the same thing, they tend to generate conversation and connection in some way, shape or form, which is what I found is been the most interesting to me about the hobby of anything is Mac and I always talk about it is the community aspect of it all where it's just like you know because we all have that common you know passion and interest it's just so easy to start a conversation and keep it going because we're just like oh someone that wants to talk about this finally it's just great even if it's not the same sport so yeah because oh you can go sorry go ahead go ahead um, yeah, because I think some people always feel like they're being nerdy for collecting. And when you're in a like when you're in a room of I don't know how many square feet, I'm bad with square feet. But <laughs> if you're in a room with like a lot of other collectors, you don't feel as like weird for collecting. And you're like, well, I've made these relationships with these people and I don't necessarily see them in person all the time, but I talk to them almost every day on social media. So then you start to like build um, I guess build off of social media relationships into real life friendships. Um, which is what I've found over the past like three years or so. Yeah. The, I mean, I, I, Mac and I have never even met each other in person. So this Isn't is funny. Uh, Kayla and I have actually met in person, but stock you and wild. I have not, which is so yeah. funny. We have that's a podcast crazy. together. We talk to each other probably every day. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. I would not, I would not, I'm not, I would not have been able to know that. 
Yeah. Because we talk to each other all the time. Yeah. <laughs> My fiance is like, I think, wait, what? It is, it is a guy, right? The, who, who's this person that's like, yeah, like, yeah, talk to him a lot. But um, I am curious though, as we're talking about kind of, you know, content creators and, you know, not, there not being a ton of female content creators and you like at this point being, you know, probably one of the leading ones on Instagram that at least I know of, where do you kind of see your content going? Where do, what does the next year look like for you? As you look ahead, it sounds like you've been doing a lot of writing. You're obviously very active on, on Instagram, curious kind of where you, your, where your journey goes in 2024. Yeah. Um, I've been getting that question a lot. Uh, and I don't have like a definite answer to that question. Um, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to, I wouldn't say accomplish because then that sounds like I'm trying to get at people to help me do something, which isn't really my angle. Um, so my plan is to kind of help or to use sports cards as a vehicle to, um, like help builds on what I want to do outside of sports cards. Um, so like my personal goal I've shared this a couple of times, but is to be an analyst at the Olympics, um, which is like super far out there. Um, but I love like interviewing athletes and talking to people and sharing stories. And I think that to me, the Olympics is like the epitome of sports. Like you have people from all places of all over the world, all at the top of their sport competing and putting on for their country. And like the photos of people like wearing their flags on their shoulders are just so sick. And I think um, it's definitely underrated because I don't hear enough people like really talk about it. And so that kind of fuels my fire of like the content creation side. Um, so I think right now I'm kind of using it to build like my resume, you could say. Um, I love sports cards, but it's not like what I personally plan to do as my career. Um, it does give me some little income here and there. Um, by transacting or deals that I do with different companies to post on my page. But it's not something that like, I don't want to open a card store. That's like not for me. Um, but I love like the community I've been able to build. So that's why it's like, I'm trying to figure out what I want to utilize my platform for, because I want to like, I don't necessarily, I don't want to let down like the people that enjoy my content. Um, so trying to yeah, I'm just trying to figure that kind of question out. Yeah, I've found that, and you've, I've seen this in other content creators that have kind of branched out and ended up somewhere slightly different, is like there's always a beginning. And then there's it the, there's the growth to whatever you end up at or the next thing you do. There's always some connection to it. But yeah, to see if when that does happen for you to be an analyst at the at the Olympics, there's still that connection of like, listen, you were front, you were forward facing on this content creation. And that's why it was easier now for you to be forward facing on this analyst for, for the Olympics, which is crazy. I see it. I see it in a lot of people. And I, I, I think it, it'll go really well for you in the end. Yeah. Thank you. I also like thinking about that question more. I also think it's easy for me to be forward facing on Kayla collects because I've been collecting 10 years. And so, and I've had my Instagram since 2016. So seven years of having an Instagram like presence. I didn't really, um, I wasn't forward facing until probably, I want to say like two years. Um, and so it's like, it's just what I know. Um, and I think that comes across like my passion for cards comes across and I also bring that same passion for sports. So I think I, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. I think everyone can tell that this is something you, you enjoy doing and you're passionate about. And I think that's, completely fine that you don't know exactly what like the next several months is going to look like but you you know kind of where you want to get to as long as you're having fun with it yeah yeah, i'm having tons of fun yeah i found over my life that uh i've i've thought that i've wanted to do different things at different periods of my life and uh and now at my age i'm currently doing my job but i'm also you know creating content for sports cards so if you had told me that 20 years ago that i'd be doing this i had been like what Really? That's what you're going to be doing in 20 years? I don't know. So it's uh, and just enjoy the ride is all I tell everyone at this point. Like it's it's always fun. You'll you'll figure it out. <laughs> I think yeah. about all the people we get to meet, just different shows and stuff like that. I mean, it's, you know. Yeah, it's a it's an incredible, incredible situation um, with that. I mean, not to not to be 
negative because we have a, well, we always stay positive on here, but we talked about like some of the great things that are happening at card shows. What would you like to have like stop being done at card shows? You know, if there's anything at that right now, is there anything that's currently out there? You're like, can we, can we just, can we not do this as much? Can we not, can we not do this? Um, I think that there's some people, some dealers that maybe need to move on. Um, not like move on from sports cards, but be okay with taking a loss on cards they got at peak because it's just not like that anymore. And dealers at shows sometimes still have their cards priced at a certain point that, um, isn't going to make anyone happy, um, and not going to want to make anyone transact with them. So that would probably be the main thing. Yeah. I think we, that's usually the common comment that we get, right, Mac? Yeah. I, I just had that happen at a local show a couple of weeks ago. A guy had a really cool, um, it was Ronaldo world cup sticker. And I just was like, Hey, what could you, could you do on this? And, uh, he was basically had it priced at the same level of like a grade or two up. And I was like, this card's going for about a third of what you have it listed. And he, he was not willing to budge. And it, you know, there's people like that. And I, I get it. Like it's your card. You can sell it for or list it for whatever you want, but it's why, what, why are you doing this to yourself? Are you doing, I mean, it's, you know, you can't be happy sitting there and no one's buying your stuff anyway. So I'm with you. <laughs> who else are you following in the in the content creation obviously besides you know uh whoever's on this thing but who are you following that you're really uh that you kind of look for every day i know i have my people that i like i'm like oh i can't wait for their post this is going to be good who are you following on a, on a daily basis um i'd say ryan card collector too is definitely one of them i think he just posts such a wide variety of content um and i think people can kind of aspire to do what he's done um, and build a brand in the hobby in more ways than one. So his like virtual brand connected to him opening a card store. And so now he has multiple ways people can connect with him and his story. So I think that's really admirable of him. Um, and I think like, I like Jay's content. Um, I've helped him with some stuff. Um, I helped him at Chantilly with some short form content. I think he brings a genuine um, passion for collecting like his roots go back to collecting autographs and having these stories with athletes and so now he collects those athletes which I think promotes a healthy view for kids coming into the hobby that you don't have to spend 100k at a show to like <laughs> to build a brand like you can build a pc um, which is something both of those guys share and uh, they both share that message a lot. And collectors are now like learning what a PC is and how to find connection with an athlete that they want to collect, which is super important because if nobody had PCs, what would we all be doing? Like there would be no reason to be collecting. Like it's literally collecting cards. It's not transacting them. I mean, there's some people that do that and I don't like fault them for it because there's money to be made but i think if it's constantly just flipping uh you kind of lose the the essence of the hobby um and then also i'm trying to think of other content creators um mama breaks is a lot of cool stuff she's kind of slowed down on her non-breaking content so she does a lot of breaks on fanatics live um but she does a great job building a community there um and i want to think of like a smaller one that maybe i enjoy um, hmm. I th uh, great sports cards does a good job on YouTube. He just started up his YouTube. Um, he does mostly card show vlogs. Um, but I think there's, uh, good lessons to be learned in how he transacts with people and how he interacts with them and gives them good value for their cards. And isn't like, I only want to pay this percentage. He works with people, which, um, can teach collectors good lessons on how to interact with people. Um, that would probably be my handful of people. I watch, I spend so much time on sports and sports <laughs> card content. It's insane. Um, probably unhealthy amount, but no comment. Um, no comment. Yeah, I love watching people. Yeah. I stopped, hey, I, I stopped looking at my hours on screen hours on my iPhone a long time ago. Cause it just was getting me upset, but <laughs> I, I do have a question. You mentioned PC and something that came up in one of our recent podcast episodes, we we're talking about kind of kids and kids getting into the hobby and questioning, I think the question came up in the podcast of 
how much do we see kids that are actually collecting versus kids that are actually just kind of in it for flipping? And I thought it was a really interesting question. So I'd be curious to get your thoughts of as you, you know, see kids kind of keep entering the hobby, you see more shows. I mean, are you seeing kids that do have a PC and are collecting? Or are you seeing it much more kind of a transactional relationship with collecting? Um, I'd say it's probably like 80% transacting, 20% collecting. Um, I think the reason for that, I was having a conversation with somebody at Chantilly about this actually was there's so much. So I think a lot of these kids look up to these content creators and a lot of the videos that get the most clicks or the most views and interactions are these big, massive money deals. Um, and so kids aspire to do that because that's the only kind of content or the only kind of exposure they have to the hobby. So they don't necessarily see value in just collecting cards. They want to build money and get up to these really expensive cards that maybe they don't even like, like the player. Um, and so I think there's, it's slowly maybe trickling percentage wise up for younger collectors collecting, um, which is why I shouted out Jay for sharing that message because I see kids at him coming up to shows all the time talking about how they started a PC. Um, and I love sharing like dollar box finds in my PCs because it gives you something to look for. Um, and I think I, I wish there was more younger collectors PCing because that builds a legacy of those kids wanting to come back to the hobby and staying in the hobby and building a life. I mean, building a life for themselves in the hobby. Like they don't necessarily have to go and open card shops or be content creators, but genuinely enjoying the hobby for years to come. I think there has to be more of a shift to a PC rather than flipping. Yeah, I agree. I, I think there's a big open world out there for content creators that aren't just posting about the transactions that, you know, at uh, card shows and whatnot because it's what we see a lot of like you said it's it's what gains a lot of the clicks because there's money being involved and it's a big deal and stuff like that um with pcs and obviously you talked about it said it many times that you have a very you you are a big pc or yourself is there what do you pc is it just about like everything or is it is there specifics that you do for yourself um definitely specifics um so i collect all tampa teams the raise is definitely the biggest uh out of those the Bucks, I don't really follow as much anymore. I used to be, I used to be more into football when I was younger. Um, uh, but like the guys I grew up watching, so like I posted a Mike Glennon card, uh, because that was the QB I watched. Yeah, um, yeah. and we didn't really watch him once Jameis Winston got there because we wanted the Bucks to draft Mariota instead of Winston. So I can get into all that. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I collect all Tampa teams and then I collect Austin Hayes and Willie Adames. Um, those are my two biggest PC guys. I've gotten to know both of them over the years. Um, so that kind of, I always look for a connection with a player um, and that's how I end up collecting them. Um, I also have a U.S. Women's National Team PC. Nothing like super crazy there. Um, like I think the most expensive card I have is maybe, I don't know, like a Carly Lloyd auto or something like that. But that's my, uh, that's my girl. I love Carly Lloyd. Um, and then let's see. Then there's a couple random things like, I grew up an uh, Oklahoma City Thunder fan for basketball because the Kevin Durant, Westbrook, Harden got me into oh, yeah. basketball. And so I still collect Thunder players here and there. Like I love like color matches for um, Prism for um, the Thunder. So like a blue or an orange. I love how the, those look with the their jerseys. So little stuff like that I collect. Um, and then I collect a lot of random things outside of sports cards too like like what um so i collect <laughs> pins of the different places i go so like if i go to a new stadium um i get a pin there or if i go to like uh like i went to the st louis arch i got a pin at the st louis arch uh i collect rubber ducks um different kind of rubber ducks didn't see that coming uh, yeah, that, yeah. Wasn't coming. that was not yeah. my bingo card yeah <laughs> um so that one started um at like a vvs um which is a vacation bible school and we used to get like these currencies for like memorizing Bible verses or doing something good or helping somebody. So like basically being a good kid. Um, and so we would get these currencies and in the store, you could like spend them on real items. And so there was like this barrel of rubber ducks and they had like a Magneto one and a flash one. 
And so I got those and that built from there. Um, so I have a handful of those. The coolest one I have is from France. Um, and it's like, uh, an Eiffel Tower one with like him painting the Eiffel Tower with like a mustache and a beret on that I got for my birthday one year. Um, and then I also have snow globes, um, which those I only get from each time I go to a new state. Okay. Um, so it started with my dad when I was younger. Um, he used to go on business trips a lot. And I think the first one he brought me back was like from Montana or something. And I was like, uh, I don't want you to bring me stuffed animals anymore. I want you to bring me a new snow globe if you go to a new state. So now I have a, like 20, maybe wow. 25, somewhere yeah. around there. Um, yeah, I think that's all the things I collect. But yeah, I collect a lot of random stuff. That's really cool. I, I, in the blood. I, yeah, there you go. yeah <laughs> in the blood for sure. It's in the blood. Is there one card out of your or even out of your other collection that you'll never let go of? That one's hard. Um, I think there's probably two. Um, no, yeah, two. Let's go with two. Um, so at the Mint Collective, I got to meet Sabrina Ionescu, yeah. um, which I watch her at Oregon, and she's been one of my favorite players for a really long time. And so that day I met her at the Mint. We also had a woman in the hobby dinner. And we ripped some packs um, at dinner. And I actually pulled the Sabrina Auto um, out of <laughs> my pack, which is crazy. Like the odds of that happening, the odds of me out of like the 15 people that were there getting the pack with the Sabrina Auto. Um, my mom also went to that uh, mint with me and she's never been to a card show with me. Just pulling that card, meeting Sabrina the same day. Um, and then I met Sabrina at the um, eBay collective also later that, or not the eBay, uh, the eBay collectors camp later that year. And I got to show her the card. She's like, Oh yeah, that was like my second year. And I was asking her if she remembered the game, but she didn't remember the game, but she remembered it was from her second year picture on the card. Um, so that would be definitely one I probably won't ever sell just because of the memory behind that. Um, and the other one it's in between like two for the Austin Hayes collection that I wouldn't want to get rid of. One um, is his national, I think it's national treasures. It might be immaculate um, rookie patch auto one of one. That's the most I've spent on Austin Hayes card. And it was just never a card. I would have thought I would have been able to attain when I first started collecting him. Um, and so there's probably that. And then I also have a story with Austin Hayes about Skittles. Um, it's a long story. So I can talk about it if you guys want me to, but I had him sign a card. Um, so I was at a game and there's a picture from that game on a card. Um, and so I had him sign Skittle power on it, um, which it turned out awesome. Um, and it's definitely something I won't sell. That's awesome. I love stories like that. Yeah. I mean, look, this is, this is why I like doing the podcast is because uh, stories like that. And, you know, like I said, we can sit here and talk about hobby news all day, but in reality, like, this is why we like collecting. This is why we like cards. This is Mac, this is why you like Marvel cards is like this, this thing that brought you back to them from a kid and things like that. So it's always interesting to find out all these little other, you know, side collections that you have that people don't talk about. I have a, I have a bunch of little things I collect that just don't post about them because I don't think people will care about them as much. But <laughs> well, what, what else do you collect? I collect a lot of horror memorabilia. I'm a big horror movie fan. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So like nothing crazy. Like I have That's like, awesome. I have like signed masks of like uh, of Michael, not Michael Myers, but uh, Jason Voorhees. I have like signed scripts and things like that. But yeah, it's like all these little things that, you know, some people really don't care about, but I care about. So <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it's super cool. Yeah, it's fun stuff, you know? <laughs> okay. Like, I, I really, I mean, yeah, go ahead. I was just to say, I, I think a lot of people get into collecting through like a, a mainstream sport, but I think what ultimately happens is they start finding other things from their childhood. Like, you know, we talked about soccer wasn't the first thing or, or Marvel when I first got back to the hobby, but it was like a ripple effect. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And that's happened with me too. Like um, my collections evolved so much and like my interest in different sports has also grown. Like college women's basketball I got into because I watched Paige Beckers and Haley Van Lith starting their junior year of high school and Caitlin Clark. I started watching her senior year of high school. So I've been watching them a long time and now they have cards and that's built my collection there and then got me watching the WNBA when players I watched from college got there. And so 
um, yeah, it, it definitely keeps branching the longer you collect. Yeah. The more you, t- you've kind of touched on it a couple of times and it seems like, uh, your dad was like a big reason for you collecting certain things and whatnot. So it makes me feel really good. I have two young children right now, a little bit too young to collect cards and whatnot, but it's always really interesting to hear these things that you don't think are going to connect to doing something for your kids down the line. But like, who would have thought that you'd still be collecting snow globes because your dad brought stuffed animals that then converted into snow globes that then doing this and now you're collecting other things. So I love that. And I love that you're, you know, you're willing to chat about that type of stuff because it's it's very nice to hear knowing that, you know, uh, as a parent that we have some sort of connection to our children's future of doing something so it's it's that's really sweet but i think too as you look at i mean you think about what keeps people in the hobby and i think it's stuff more like that versus hey i had a cool flip you know that that's great for a week but at the end of the day in terms of like long term keeping people in the hobby i think it's those connections those memories those stories and i think that's you know to stock's point i mean that's why it's so great having you on here and talking through all this is just kind of hearing what the why and what drives people yeah. And the reason I love PCing players and like kind of getting more and more niche as I go on is it always gives you something to look for at shows. And when you find a card of a player that you've been looking for to finish your rainbow or one that you just like haven't been able to find on eBay, it like brings you so much more joy than buying just a random $100 card. At least I find that. Yeah. There's got to be some connection to it. Like, you know, you know, whether it's, like you said, something that some nostalgia or some new passion towards a player or a, a team. But yeah, I agree. I, I think I get I get way more out of like that situation than I would buying like, oh, I have this this five hundred dollar card that I've been looking for and I traded up for it and got all this stuff. But there's 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 just something else about doing some, you know, adding to your collection that you truly love that makes a big difference. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Kayla, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing a little bit about kind of how you got in the hobby, what you've been up to. And I guess real quick, just to give you a minute, how, where can people go if they want to, you know, stay in touch with you or follow your journey? Yeah. Um, so my main place of like contact or content, um, is Instagram, Kayla.collects. Um, I post a lot of random stuff on there. You'll see a lot of my PC stuff. Um, I haven't post- posted the Skittle power card and not many people know about that. So this is an exclusive um and so i'll definitely post that um and then i also wrote write for hobby news daily i write an article about once a month sometimes a little more um so that website is awesome there's a ton of great writers on there um so even if you don't like my flavor of writing there's plenty of other people to read um and then i also write for slab stocks i write their um daily trender for their um daily newsletter, which they also post on their Instagram. And occasionally they collab with me on those posts. That's super fun getting to write about athletes and how it affects their cards, which kind of ties into what else I do, like the sports media side um, of things. And I also have a um, another Instagram account that has a YouTube um, Norsey network, which is interviews with athletes. I've posted a handful of card stuff related on there, but if you guys want to watch me interview athletes, um, and that's kind of tapping into my other passion there. So there's that. Um, and I think that's about it. Awesome. Kayla, that's I really cool. appreciate it. I'm very happy that I actually got a chance to chat with you and meet with you. And uh, I'm, I'm, I hope and we'll connect more on social media going forward. This has been great. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. I appreciate you being here, Kayla. We'll stay in touch. Okay. Thank you for having right. me. See ya.